how he went from a runner to a power lifter, how he took advantage of COVID and quarantine by writing a book for the first time, how he got through quarantine as a business owner, having his wife also get diagnosed with breast cancer and homeschooling two kids, and his three most important tips for those of you with fitness goals and so much more coming right up. This is episode number two, three, eight with the co-founder of Renaissance Periodization, Nick Shaw. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm here because you wanna become the best version of yourself, but there are so many things that you need to do in order to get there. And because it's overwhelmingly complicated, it's easy to lose focus, easy to lose a sense of direction, which is why so many people fall short of their true potential. But that's why I'm here and I create videos, podcasts, and fitness programs to keep you on track to your best you. Make sure you go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. Today, I'm super pumped to bring you the one and only Nick Shaw. At the beginning of 2020, literally nobody knew what was coming and the same was true for Nick and his family and then some. In January, his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. Then in March, COVID hit, and then he was tasked with supporting his wife through her treatments, homeschooling his six and eight-year-old, running a business with over 40 employees, and, and like, what does he do? He goes and writes a book for the first time. In this episode, you're gonna learn about Nick's seven pillars of success from his book called Fit to Success. And the one that I love the most is called Internal Locus of Control meaning you believe that you control the outcomes of your life, which is super powerful. So make sure you follow me on Instagram at carrier underscore best you, and you follow Nick at nick.shaw.rp. And you can find all his other social handles and website information in the show notes at nickcarrier.com slash podcast. But before we dive into the episode, I know Monday mornings can sometimes be the bane of your existence. I know it can be seem so impossible to get motivated on a Monday morning, but not if you receive my Monday Motivation Trio 111 newsletter. Every Monday, I send out one motivational quote, one inspiring video, and one badass workout to get your week started off with a bang. Make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter to get that in your inbox every Monday morning. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 111-newsletter. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Nick Shaw. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm super stoked today to have the one and only Nick Shaw with me today. Uh, Nick, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Oh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. So, so Nick is the co-founder of Renaissance Periodization, a health and fitness company that's helping hundreds of thousands of members around the entire world. And you're also the author of Fit for Success, which is your uh, recent book on the habits of success for overcoming adversity. Uh, and tips in business and, and fitness as well. And I just told you I got done reading it today and absolutely loved it. There's just so many important principles in there that, you know, like I said, we have we have similar reading interests. So many books that uh, so many principles from books that I've read that you've also read, but then things that you've brought in from other books. And I was telling you I've already added like three or four different books to my Amazon cart. I'm excited to dive into dive in deeper to those. And and you've got about like seven different pillars, if you will, in your book that we're going to get into a little bit later. But to start today, I kind of want to give everybody a little bit more context on you. So you were a, a former competitive powerlifter and bodybuilder, but when you were kind of growing up, you were more of a runner. And so I was kind of interested to, to learn that. And I know you had an older brother who probably did, did some lifting and was bigger and stronger than you. So that probably had a little bit of an influence 
to getting into powerlifting and, and, and bodybuilding, but I wanted to get a little bit more from you. What kind of got you into the, the powerlifting and bodybuilding and stuff like that? Totally. I can think of a couple things off the top of my head. One, yes, having an older brother, four years older than me. So, you know, let's say if I was seventh grade, he was like a junior in high school. So, you know, when you're a junior in high school and you have a younger brother, you know, like you look up to those people. And so he's into lifting for sports and all that stuff. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. And again, like my parents' basement, we had those sand weights with that bench that's so tiny in the bar that weighs like I don't know five pounds maybe funny story uh, you know I thought I was the man lifting with that little bar that weighed like five pounds going to the high school for the first time to the weight room you know bar's 45 pounds so I slap a 45 on each side I'm like oh, I'm gonna show off boom just buries me you know because oh, the 40 pound no. difference so but yeah that's how I got started man just you know I love I love lifting I love fitness and then, you know, I got into running and I was never super talented. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't oozing athletic ability, so to speak. But the one thing that I did have in common and that I learned pretty early on was that I could just work a lot harder than people. And I didn't really mind that. In fact, I really enjoyed it. And when I started to have a little bit of success, and this is all relative, of course, you know, just where I was, I was, that was decent, I suppose. But I just realized the harder I worked the better I did. And again, that's like, that's always kind of stuck with me because it applies to everything. Well, the harder I work, the better I do. Well, sure, that sounds really good. It relates to sports. Oh, then it related to business later on and you know, that's just how it goes. So I've just always been obsessed with that idea of trying to get a little bit better. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're that kind of realization that one summer when, you know, they tasked you guys with running a hundred miles and you were essentially the only one who ended up doing it. And prior to that summer, you weren't necessarily the best runner. But then after that summer, you had kind of caught up to people and you had gotten better and let a lot of people. And you were you realized that like, okay, like if I work hard, then I'm going to get a better result or I'm going to be more successful. And like, you know, that seems so elementary, but I don't think enough people have that much of a visible or have a tangible example like that in their lives where they're like oh I actually put in blood sweat and tears if you will and got this result because of it and because they don't have that tangible thing then they don't it doesn't motivate them to, to do that more often moving on in the future I feel like totally I mean and you said I wasn't one of the best runners. I was like one of the worst runners my freshman year and I somehow went to you know being respectable at least I wasn't I wasn't the best I didn't become you know like the fastest person on my team until uh, junior and senior year, but uh, I went from like one of the worst to, you know, one of the top four or five, which, yeah, it's a pretty big deal, I suppose, uh, you know, in, in retrospect, but yeah, it's just, it was funny because day one of practice, there I am running with all the top guys from last year, and I'm like, what's going on? I don't understand this. Now, they started getting more trained, they started to go past me a little bit, but it was still this idea, like, whoa, I just need to keep doing this and keep replicating it because not everyone's willing to put in all the hard work, of course. I mean, we both know that. I mean, yeah. We see it all the time, but boy, it just, it's, it is such an elementary idea, but not enough people do it. So just do it and you're going to become a lot better. Yeah. So I think one thing that, well, I mean, I know one thing that sparks people to, to work hard is their belief in their ability to be successful or to improve and get better. And, 
like you said, that you were one of the worst runners at the time, but you still found a way to, to kind of be motivated to get in the 100 miles for, for whatever reason. And there's, you know, a lot of people that we work with that might not necessarily be the most fit individuals, the most healthy, healthy individuals right now, and they might not have that level of belief that they could be somebody who is really uh, fit and healthy. So kind of back that summer, what do you think gave you that belief that you, that like the hard work was going to pay off? Yeah, it's probably day one of practice, but I guess if we go back just a tiny bit before that, I, I, I was an okay track runner, but when it came to cross country, I was good. And so I just knew that I wanted to keep training really hard because I actually believed that I could be pretty good at track in like the 400 and 800 meet. And so that was kind of what motivated me to run a lot over the summer. So I was like, okay, well, I'm sort of training for track. Yeah, cross country is cool. But, and then I show up day one to practice. And I do well. And I'm like, huh, maybe I can be okay here. And then again, it's just, yeah, it, it builds that self-belief, that confidence. And then it just leads you to keep working harder, right? It's like a positive feedback loop and it just keeps going and going. Yeah, no doubt. I love it. Well, let's move on a little bit. So you also, I, I learned that you were a personal trainer in, in New York City kind of early on in your career. So at what point when you were doing that, did you get the realization of like, okay, I want to kind of start my own business? I guess you were kind of doing it on your own, like had your own business already by going to train people um, throughout the city. But when did it kind of like shift to this different idea of Renaissance periodization kind of? Yeah. So my buddy and I, so he's my main mentor, I met him at the University of Michigan. Um, so you can tell about my background here, of course, uh, Michigan, a little, little, little rough here for us, but um Met him there, he got me into lifting. So I kind of went from running in high school to not really knowing what I wanted to do freshman and sophomore year. I meet this guy at the gym of all places, of course. Like I lifted, but didn't really have any clear guidance. He's like, hey, you should join our powerlifting club. I'm like, okay, cool, done, sign me up. Like, I'm ready to go. So again, it just went back to that idea where it's just like, you put in a bunch of work, you just keep getting better. You can always get better in fitness, right? There's yeah. never a level of what you reach and you're just like, okay, I've made it. It's like, no, like there's always something more. You do more reps, you can add more weight, you can get faster, whatever it is, you get leaner, all that good stuff. So I was instantly drawn to it. I'm like, okay, yep, I'm going to do this. Moved to New York City, became trainers. Uh, basically what happened was they just didn't treat people very well at the gym where we were working. And I was like, oh, I probably need to go out on my own, went out on my own. And I was going all over New York City, training people, I'm sure you kind of know how it is. Like, this is what you have to do as a trainer. Like, you have to be up early. You have to stay late because you're working with people before work, after work. And I just said, boy, this is really hard to do. This is really hard to maintain. You know, what's ever going to happen if I have a family or something? Like, this is going to be really hard. So my buddy, he's doing a little online coaching at the time. He's like, hey, you should help me out. Like, I, I can't actually keep up because he was getting his PhD. So I said, okay, sure. That sounds great. Started doing online coaching this light bulb goes off my head. I'm like, wow, I can do work here sitting in my office at home in a New York city apartment, rather than taking the subway all over the city, you know, chasing down clients, you know, you go all the way downtown, you go across town, whatever you show up to the gym. And then what happens? You know, your client might cancel and they don't tell you. And you're like, you know, what do you do? And then it's like, you've wasted two hours. And it was like, if you're sitting at home doing stuff, I mean, how much stuff can you do at home? Two hours, you know, not only work, but anything else. It's just, that was the first time when I started to say, you know what, there's probably something to this online coaching thing. And this was like 2010, 2011. 
So it was way different than it is now. You still had some online coaches, but nowadays there's like 10 billion online coaches. So it wasn't, it wasn't quite the same as it was now. No. I don't even know if Instagram was around then. Yeah, it probably was like, I mean, maybe it was just starting, but yeah, maybe. But yeah, no, every, now everybody and their brother is trying to be an online coach. That's for sure. Uh, definitely, definitely the landscape is a lot different. So one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm pretty curious about is, are you, are you 31? Is that right? I am 33. 33. Okay, 33. So, well, then I guess it's a, it's a little bit different, but you're 33 and you have uh, an eight-year-old kid. So you, you, you started, you had your first kid when you were 25, which isn't, which definitely is not too terribly young. But what, what, what was the benefit, if you will, of like having a kid at age 25 and how did that like change your level of drive and how do you feel like that impacted your success of like growing your business? Uh, okay. So I can give a pro and a con actually. So okay. the, the pro was you, boy, you have to grow up and mature in a hurry, right? Like that, that's one of them. Um, I guess maybe it's not a con, but to build off of that, when we just had one kid and we were living in New York city, I was still really into bodybuilding, like really like bodybuilding was my life. Kid number two comes along. My daughter's boy, that was, that's the slap to the face where I was like, you know what, this hobby that I have of bodybuilding, boy, it's just not that important anymore. I still love to lift, of course, but boy, you know, business is starting to take off. Now I have two kids. I'm like, these are both full-time jobs. You know, I want to be a bodybuilder. That's a third full-time job. Like, I'm sorry, I can't work three full-time jobs. You know, something has to give. And I said to myself, well, I can keep lifting, but I don't have to be as hardcore and I don't have to be as serious. And so that was kind of the shift from, well, right, well back it down. I don't have to be so competitive. I can focus a little bit more on growing the business and things. And it was already starting to take off. And so it was really good timing. So that was the main thing. You have to grow up in a hurry when you have kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that's kind of, to me, that's, that's probably what I had assumed because I know my dad personally, when he said when like he had, us kids, that's when his like level of, of drive and that like urgency was like, Oh crap. Like <laughs> I've got to get going now. Kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, it definitely was a little bit of that. Cause you know, my wife had a really good job and you know, here I am personal training people here and there, but I was like, boy, I have kids. I'm sick. I can't keep doing this run all over New York city and all this stuff. Like I gotta maybe try to plan a little bit more longer term than just, Hey, what do I need to do now? It's like, well, yeah, there's a little bit more to it. Yeah. No doubt. Well, I want to dive a little bit into to the book now, Fit for Success, that you just recently came out with. And essentially, quarantine, your wife's situation, I, I feel like was kind of one of the biggest sparks of it. Like it was, it seemed like it's been in the making for a while now because you've been reading these, the, the books that were a lot of the, the, the study, the studying for the, the book, if you will. But I want you to kind of give everybody just a little bit of a background as to kind of how you start off the book, you know, wife situation, COVID, and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, 2020 has been, it's been a year. So go back to January, my wife's diagnosed with breast cancer. So that's obviously bad. She has surgery in February, has some complications from that, has stayed in the hospital, you know, ended up staying in the hospital, but let's call it like a week in the hospital, basically. So you have all this going on. She starts chemo in March. I went to the first treatment with her. Not long after that, 
in fact, like a few days, maybe a week after, COVID hits, quarantine hits, shelter in place hits because she's very immune compromised. So we are buckled down. The latches are down. We're not going anywhere for several months. And it would have been really easy to play the victim card. Just be like, oh, whoa, whoa, is me. Like, well, we're just dealt some bad luck. Let's just have a pity party. I don't know about you, but I just refuse to kind of sit back and let other stuff dictate what I'm going to do. So you know, I kind of just said to myself, you know what? I'm going to make something good of 2020. I kind of had these ideas. Now I'm forced to live them truly every single day, really put all these ideas into practice. And, you know, that really inspired me. And again, I wasn't going anywhere for several months. So I'm like, you know what? I have this idea. I ran it by some people. They're like, that sounds pretty good. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to start writing. And I just started doing a little bit each day. Lo and behold, several months later, because again, I already had like the rough outline and everything, but you just got to sit down, right? And it's a whole different thing to sit down and really type out your thoughts. So I did that a few months later, had the rough draft, turned it over to editors, you know, thank goodness for editors, you know, make me sound hopefully a lot smarter than I really am. And, you know, everything came together. And the one thing that I really wanted to do sort of above all else is I knew so many people are impacted in 2020. Everyone's impacted negatively for the most part. And I wanted to make sure that the book came out before 2020 was over. Mm. I love that. I love that. That's a good goal. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people play the victim card and with you having two kids that you had to start homeschooling from home, your wife's diagnosis um, and her having to be kind of quarantined and then having to figure out the business thing and trying to keep your employees with a job and all that kind of stuff. You definitely had a lot to juggle there. But one of the things I I really like what you said and kind of the the second pillar of of your book that is internal locus of control. You, You know, you could have throwing the pity party, but you're like, no, I actually have the control over the outcomes of my life. And, and you say in your book that the internal locus of control is the, the degree to which people believe that they, rather than external forces, have control over the outcomes of the events that make up their lives. And I, I think that's absolutely awesome because I was literally talking to my parents over Thanksgiving about kind of that idea in, in regards to my nutrition. Like, I obviously know that there are some things that are kind of out of your control with health issues. But I was like, I just want to know, like I eat healthy because I want to know that if anything does happen to me, that it wasn't my fault, that I'm doing everything in my power possible to not uh, let extra, or because I, I believe I've, I control the outcomes of the events of my life. Um, and so just kind of with that being said, you've already talked about kind of how you've applied it in the realm of the beginning of quarantine, but how else do you kind of apply that principle, if you will, the internal locus of control in your life? Well, you gave a really good example of nutrition. I mean, I, you know, I run a nutrition company. So again, when COVID hit, you have, there's sort of two groups of people. You had the, okay, this is a really stressful thing. You know, it's okay to kind of relax and not worry about nutrition. And I totally get that, right? I'm not here to judge or anything like that. But on the flip side of that, you have the ability, we can't control anything that's happening with COVID, right? We can't control gyms being closed. We can't control all those stuff going on but we can control our health and fitness, right? We can control what we eat. We can control if we work out. Yeah, the gym might be closed, but guess what? We can still work out at home. We can still go for walks. We can do all sorts of stuff. And when you get back some degree of control over the things in your life, you're just going to have better outcomes. There's just no better way to say it than that. You are just going to be 
more in control. And again, if you believe that you can control the outcomes, you're going to work harder, you're going to be more proactive, you're going to do more things. And in turn, you're going to get back more self-confidence, you're going to have more hope that things are going to get better because what you do matters. All this stuff just kind of goes together. And again, you know, here I am with all these ideas, but like, it, it was really hard even for myself to live these things every single day because it was really hard. You could so easily get down on yourself with all these things going on, but you know, it's a little bit of an effort and you know, a constant battle, I would say, but you just have to keep doing that. And again, over time you do it enough, it starts to become you know, more of a habit. And you're like, okay, this thing happened. Let's think for a second. Okay, how do we want to respond? Can I control it? No, okay, not gonna stress about it too much. If I can control it, what can I do to hopefully change the outcomes? Okay, well, let's do that, right? It's a, it's a, it's a simple concept, but not necessarily easy. Yeah, it's definitely a simple concept, but not necessarily easy to apply for everybody. I mean, it's like you said, it's about where you're going to put your energy because your energy is going to be spent somewhere as long as you don't spend it on things that you can't control and you focus on things that you can control. That's what's that's what's most important ultimately. Because I think a lot of people probably listening, I have a high level of belief that I control the outcomes in my life, but I think there are a lot of people out there who might be listening who are like, I'm like, oh, come on, there's a lot of external forces going on. But it's like, even if you don't necessarily truly believe that you believe that there's more external forces out there it's like even if you can kind of convince yourself that you've got control you're going to act better than if you didn't believe that because like you you talk about examples in your book if you don't believe that you can be successful then you're not going to take the actions necessary to become successful and why would you right if you don't believe you have any control or influence over the outcomes why would you Again, that's right. kind of how people get into that like learned helplessness state where they just you know don't really feel anything. Then you know you get down in the dumps. It's so easy to go down that negative spiral. So again, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying that like you're going to start doing it overnight. It takes work, of course, but you can, and you just you have some hope that you can. Well, even this, you know, so all this COVID stuff hits, you can still find some silver linings if you look for it, and that's kind of what it's about. Yeah, you know, you have to stay positive, but. You know, again, you can't go out to the gym or you can't go see friends. All right, well, I'm on a Zoom call, right? What, what are we doing here? You know, business owners. Well, okay, maybe your gym is closed or whatever. But I knew a lot of gym owners that were very quickly pivoting to doing stuff online because well, why focus on the stuff you can't do? It's like, boom, pivot, fix what you can do and start doing it. You just got to act. Yeah, amen to that. Amen to that. Um, well, I think the fourth, yeah, the fourth pillar is, is discipline. Um, and obviously discipline has looked different for people during quarantine and such as well. So how has discipline looked different for you during, during quarantine compared to before, I guess, and you know, you can take it anywhere you want, but maybe in regards to your, your, your schedule and your routine and stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Cause I was just going to say, well, if we go back to the internal locus of control, all right, I'm not going anywhere for several months, shelter in place, you know, my wife's health, all that stuff. Okay, well, I can look at it from that negative light and probably no one would blame you, right? It's just, okay, yeah, you know, you got some bad luck. But I sort of flipped it around. I'm like, well, guess what? I taught my daughter how to read. She was in kindergarten. She didn't quite have it ready. Well, I sat down. I would study, you know, flashcards with her every single day. Lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, boom, she was reading. Now she reads, I mean, she'll go sit for like an hour and read. You know, like my kids didn't know how to ride their bikes. Now they know how to ride their bikes. So again, like there's always these things you can do 
can choose to focus on all the negatives or you can choose to go do positive things. So I looked at it. I'm not going anywhere for a while. Okay, I'm going to write this book. I can, I can control that. I know that I can. I'm not going anywhere. I can control you know, when I get up in the morning because I don't have to travel. Normally, I would travel a little bit. Okay, well, now I don't have to travel. Now, my routines, my habits you know, in the morning doing all this good stuff, they're set in stone. So I'm like, oh, I guess I could complain about 2020, but I, I think even with everything that's happened, it's still been a very productive year. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and like you said, it doesn't do you any good to, to complain about it. So I love it. I love it. How, um, with people that you've worked with, the people that you've coached, and especially in regards to um, staying disciplined with, with health and fitness, how have you been able to help people stay disciplined during this time? So I think part of it goes back to their mindset and approach. So one big thing that we see a lot is when people start setting goals, they'll just like way overdo it, right? And I'm, I'm you know, preaching to the choir here, of course, but they get these crazy ambitions. They try to get started. And then what happens, like they realize they're sitting on the couch when they make these ridiculous fitness goals. Like, yes, I can do this. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh, wow. Like, I can't believe how much work I actually have to put into that. I can't actually do that. And then they get discouraged. They fall off. Do they ever start again? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. So again, you got to start there. Have slow and steady goals for the most part. Because again, you just build some of those early successes, get some confidence, get some momentum, start believing, again, self-confidence and all that. And you can do it. Then you put more effort into it. Again, all these things relate back to one another. It was just the part that I found really, really fascinating and you know, kind of writing the book. I'm like, just, they all so naturally kind of go together. And so it is tough with COVID. There's a lot of people out there that have just some really bad circumstances. And I'm not saying that everyone has to be perfect and be perfectly disciplined. But, you know, again, it just goes back to setting the right kind of goals, figuring out what your motivation is, right? Like, why are you doing the things that you want to do? Because if it's a really strong why and you really care enough about it, it's a little bit easier to be disciplined. So, you know, there's a, there's a number of factors there, of course. But, yeah. uh, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you kind of do with people that are... Yeah, no doubt. Well, so it's all about, <clears throat> to me, it's a lot of people have kind of what a, a frame of reference for what success is. Like, but they had a frame of reference for what success is before quarantine. And so when, when quarantine happened, gyms shut down. They weren't able to go to the workout that they normally went to. If they went to a workout, let's say, like four times a week for an hour-long class, and they loved that, and then quarantine happened, they're like, oh, I can't do that anymore. Like, I can't. It's like, okay, you can't do that, but now we have to redefine what success looks like with your fitness life. Like, for me, I would, you know, maybe work out five times a week for an hour or something like that on average, but... When I did it well, over quarantine, I was like, okay, I'm just going to work out 30 minutes a day, seven times a week. Like to me, it was just, I was at home, didn't have that much equipment, but I was like, I'm just going to make it 30 minutes and just bust my ass for 30 minutes. And, and that's what success was going to be for me. And so what I tried to really help people do is like change what success means for you. Like drop what, what that old version was and adopt a new one and be okay with that. And, and I was going to touch on what you said in regards to, to starting small because the way I always talk about with people in regards to setting a, a fitness goal, after we, when we are working on creating the strategy for the goal, the strategy has to be a little bit more than what you have been willing and able to do up to this point. So if somebody comes comes and they're like, 
I'm averaging working out two times a week over the last couple months, then let's not jump to five times a week right away. Let's take what you have been willing and able to do up to this point and upgrade that a little bit and form that habit of maybe three times a week for the first four weeks or so and then and then maybe go to four times a week or maybe the, make the workouts longer or whatever it is. So I really like what you said in regards to, to starting small and I always think about a little bit more than you've been willing and able to do up to this point. It's so funny that, uh, that we started talking about this. The current book that I'm reading right now is called Tiny Habits. And it's just, it's literally that exact thing because you can start with some of the smallest things in the entire world. You just start getting used to those little small things. And then usually what happens, you get, you get that self-confidence, you get a little momentum, and then naturally you're just going to build from there. You just do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't have to do these crazy things. Then what happens is you start to do a little bit more. You kind of change your own you know, identity in your head. You're like, oh, I'm the type of person that goes to the gym a couple times a week. What else do people that go to the gym do? Well, they might eat health, more healthy or whatever. And then you just kind of naturally build these other habits that can quickly snowball from there. But like you said, don't go from, from zero times a week or two times to you know seven. Like, boy, that's really hard to do. You know, it's like someone that wants to pick up running. Like, well, you know what? I haven't ran in 10 years. I'm going to run a half marathon next week. And you're like, huh, well, okay, that's one way to do it. But uh, again, just again, take the long-term approach, right? Think longer term. You know, don't give in to that sort of immediate gratification. I need it now. We all want it now, of course. But successful people, they take it slower. They take it steadier. It's just, that's just how it works. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad that we're, we've expanded a little bit more on this idea because it is one of the most the biggest things that people do wrong right off the bat. And you actually, I actually took a note from a, from a line in your book in the chapter of failure that says starting out small is something many people struggle with simply because they're enthusiastic to get started. And they've been conditioned to believe that the only way to success is to do everything that they possibly can. And I actually, after I read that, I literally popped up and like did a quick little Instagram story on that because I think that's one of the biggest things with one of the misconceptions in in health and fitness is everybody thinks that the only way that they're going to look like the person they want to look like or be as fit as they possibly can be is if they start dieting like crazy right now and cutting out 100% of sweets and they start working out six times a week and they start doing yoga and they start running and they start stretching and they think that they have to do everything in order to be successful when the reality is is that you just have to do a, a little bit better than what you're currently doing to start being successful. And then you just keep building that habit and, and building that muscle, if you will. Yeah, because everyone wants results yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, come on. That's just not how it works. Like, If you, I think, were to have a rational conversation with anyone that starts with these crazy goals, you'd think, you really think that's the best route, but no, we all give into, you know, our emotions and we want things now and we don't want to be patient, but you just have to be, you know, hopefully, I don't know if mature is the right word, but like, you just have to have that delayed gratification. And again, you just, you start slow and you build and you build, like you're not going to become person X on Instagram. Like they've been training for 20 years. Like why do you think you just started training? Like, of course, yeah, you might want to look like that, but and like people don't like to realize that. And that's one of the weird things about social media too. And it kind of goes back to the internal modes of control because now you're kind of giving your power away to someone else. And you're like, well, I can't control that other person. Like whatever, ignore them if you want. 
just focus on what you can do. And if more people did that, they'd be like, okay, well, I just, I'm going to do a little bit and they do a little bit and they keep doing it. And then, you know, a few months later, they become a different person. Yeah, I know. I know. I love it. Definitely. You got to soak up the delayed gratification for sure. Um, well, the next next pillar I kind of want to talk about is the recharge one, kind of the, the seventh one there. And kind of ask you personally, what does the, the balance of hard work and recharge look like for you in, in your life? Yeah, even even myself, I'm guilty of this too. I had a couple injuries back in the summer because I just, you know, it's like, I'm just going to crank out the cardio and stuff and all that. And what happens? Well, you know, I, I got a little arm injury. You know, I was rowing a lot and doing pull-ups and all that stuff. Well, you know, my arm started to hurt. I had to back it down a little bit. Um, you know, again, I wasn't just okay doing a little bit of incline walking because these were supposed to be my easier days. Okay, let's do like 20 minutes incline walking. No, of course, I got to be that guy that, you know, cranks it up and inclines on like 10 and I'm like going real fast. Well, what happened? Well, then my hamstring starts to feel a little bit weird. So, you know, then it's, I had to, you know, ditch that ego, my silly ego, be like, what are you doing? You know better than this. Scale it back a little bit. I had to take a couple easy weeks. And now I'm just like, yeah, I learned from that lesson. Again, I probably learned that lesson 10 times, of course. Like, but again, that's sometimes how it works. And now, you know, I make sure I have a couple of planned rest days a week where I'm not doing anything too crazy. And, you know, hopefully make sure that, you know, even with my own lifting, you know, you'll train really hard for four or five weeks. And then you take a deload week, you back it down a little bit. And it's just, you got to have that balance in there because, you know, with training, especially with weights, you're going to have that time off sometime. You have two choices. You can voluntarily do it. You program it in, hopefully intelligently, or you just keep going hardcore for long enough and then you get hurt and then you got to take that time off. So it's going to come eventually. You want to be proactive or reactive, your choice. Yeah. I love that. I think that's hilarious. I don't know if I've heard somebody say that before. Um, well, we've touched on about four of the different pillars, but to run through them real quick, one is work ethic, two internal locus of control, positive mindset, discipline, purpose and meaning failure and recharge just to give everybody a brief overview. But of those seven, what do you feel like is the pillar that is most difficult for you? So, well, that's a really good question. Which one's the most difficult for me? I mean, I guess I'll just go my own story that I just said there, like the recharge. Sometimes it's just really hard to have that balance because I love the idea of hard work. I know that I can go work really hard. Well, boy, sometimes you just want to take that too far and you just want to keep going. And I have to kind of convince myself that, you know, it, it is a long-term game. Of course, I want to go do everything right now. Like, I'm guilty of those same things, right? Like, I'm sure you are too. Like, everyone is. But it's sort of convincing myself, like, no, I know better than this. Let's take it slow and steady. And again, you take a step back. Hopefully, you know, no emotions are involved. You're detached a little bit. And you're like, okay, this is the better plan. Let's do this. Slow and steady wins the race, of course. But again, it's hard. It is. And, you know, even someone that sort of preaches this stuff all the time, we all fall guilty to it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, like I told you beforehand, this is probably going to be coming out um, around the holidays or, or right at the New Year's. And every single year, you know, there's going to be those people who have the New Year's resolutions of wanting to get more fit, wanting to lose weight, whatever it is. For the people out there who are going to have their New Year's resolution of, I want to lose weight, what are like three pieces of advice that you would give to them when they're approaching this? I know we've already probably touched on some, but what are three pieces of advice that we would, that you would give? I know it's pretty general, but. Sure. No, I don't know. 
Again, you could do some a couple of quick, easy things. One, set more realistic goals so you're not, you know, failed from the start, basically. Two, just try to not eat junk food. Try to eat mostly higher quality foods. Because if you do that, you're going to control for calories kind of by default. I know very few people that overeat with just, you know, quote unquote, healthy foods, you know, lean proteins and you know, fruits and veggies and you know, healthy carbs, things like that. Boy, that's really hard, right? You take a picture your typical stereotypical bodybuilder meal of like chicken, rice, and veggies. It's really hard to overeat with that. What is easy to overeat? Junk food. They design those foods, of course, to be super tasty, very easily overeat them, pizza, burgers, wings, all that good stuff. So again, realistic goals, try to eat mostly high quality foods. And three, find some type of exercise that you actually like. You don't have to do stuff just because, you know, Instagram person said that you have to do these three things. Well, if you don't like those three things, don't do them, right? Like, I don't know, you could probably start off pretty easily, start small. If you're not working out at all, start walking. I know of not too many people that can't walk. Yeah. Get out there and just walk and do a little bit. Again, you start doing that. You know, maybe you're listening to some music or you're walking with friends or your dogs or whatever it is you're going to feel better. And then again, naturally, you get that habit in, in place. Or maybe you want to take up jogging. Or, you know, maybe you're like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to start taking a yoga class now or something. Right? I'm going to start weight training. I would love to tell everyone to go lift weights. But again, not everyone wants to lift weights. Of course, I think people should lift weights. But, uh, you know, right. people don't like it. Yeah, no doubt. I love it. I love those three. I think those, those are great. Well, second to last question here is, it's a question that I've, kind of discovered I start asking myself about a year and a half ago and I found it really helpful for me. So so I'm gonna propose it to you here. So I think it's important that in order to get closer to the best version of yourself to to really try to visualize what that person looks like, what that person is capable of. And then my goal every single day is to try to reverse engineer that person into reality. And so is there a particular skill or piece of knowledge that the best version of Nick Shaw has that you don't currently have? Boy, any particular one, I would say that applies to so many different things because I think there's so many different things that I need to learn. Here's my goal. And it's really funny. If I were to look back two years ago, I would think, boy, I didn't know anything two years ago compared to what I know now. I hope that in a couple more years, I look back at where I am now and I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't really know anything then. And I, you know, I wrote a book. Like, I think that's successful people you know, usually don't like to settle. They always want to get better. They always want to keep going. So, you know, really, I hope in a few years I can look back and think, okay, like I probably had these things pretty right. These other things, well, now I know so much more. And that's why I love the idea of reading. I love the idea of self-improvement. I love the idea of getting better because fitness, reading, business, there's always more to do. You can always get better. You know, sometimes uh, someone asked me, they're like, well, like, aren't you ever satisfied? And I'm super grateful for everything that I have, don't get me wrong, like incredibly grateful. But at the same time, like I just, I look to the next level and I'm like, I haven't achieved anything. Like, I don't, I don't, do you kind of think that or am I crazy here? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm right with you. I think, I think that's awesome. And I definitely, I've, I've never heard anybody answer the question that way, but I absolutely love it. And because 
I, I feel kind of the same way. I have to kind of remind myself that I, that I feel that way sometimes because sometimes you kind of, I sometimes feel like, oh, like I just, I wish I'd, I wish I had that skill or I wish I had the knowledge to be able to do that yet. I wish I had that habit, but it's like, I always want to feel that way. I always should be feeling that way because I truly feel like the more that I learn, the more that I realize I don't know. Oh, 100%. Because I think sometimes you're just ignorant and then you start diving into it and you're like, wait, this is way more complex, has way more nuance than I ever thought possible. Like, I don't know anything. Yeah. yeah it's, it sounds weird to kind of be happy with that idea, but it is cool because you start to learn little bits and pieces here and there. And then you're like, oh my gosh, like you could go down a rabbit hole for however long you want, you know, just studying on this one topic. And so it's, it's a really fascinating idea. Like I've just I've always been that way and hopefully I'll always continue to be that way, but I just, I always love the idea of getting better. Yeah. I think, I think what it is, is like when you realize like you think the answer like fits in this little bubble, but then when you realize the answer is actually fits, is it like a much more vast area? I feel like you just are like, oh my gosh, like I have so many different like goals or so many different things that I can attack or try to learn. And so you kind of get excited about all the different opportunities. I think it's probably is, is what it is maybe. There are many times where I'm like sitting there reading in the morning. I'm like literally excited when I'm reading. I'm like, I'm like frantically writing notes and like all this stuff. And I'm like screenshotting sometimes of pictures and like texting it to my buddy, you know, my co-founder of RP. And he must just think that I'm crazy. He's, he's out in Vegas. So I'm like three hours ahead of him. So yeah, he's probably getting these texts at like three, four in the morning his time. He's probably just, what's this guy doing? But I love it. Yeah, no, I'm, I can definitely relate to that. I'm, I'm the same exact way. Well, before I ask the last question, uh, Nick, I want to acknowledge you for being able to, one, have the situation like at the beginning of the year uh, with your wife and then with quarantine, you have so much on your plate for being able to maintain that internal locus of control and realize like, okay, I don't need to focus on the things I don't control. I need to focus on what I can control and to be able to really make the most of the situation. And you've taken the all of, of quarantine and COVID and written this book and you've had it out in the same year that you started it with, which is just awesome. Um, and I think it's super admirable. Thank you very much. I very much appreciate that. Of course. Well, I want to make sure everybody, if they don't follow you already and they don't know who you are already goes, uh, and follows you on social media platforms at your company is at RP strength. And then you personally at nick.shaw.rp and then they can find y'all's website at rpstrength.com. Make sure you guys go get this book, Fit for Success. It's pretty pretty quick read, but it's so much, it has so many awesome principles in it. It's like a lot of principles that you read in, in the in different books, but it's all amassed into, into one book, which is, which is really cool to be able to see. And then you also host the RP Strength Podcast, which you guys should go check out as well. But Nick, here the last question is, I think that getting close, closer to the best version of yourself, as I'm sure you would agree, is a constant journey. And uh, it's a very unique journey, I think. I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if you could currently do or currently work on three things to get closer to the best version of Nick Shaw that you could possibly be, what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Keep reading, learning as much as I can. It's a huge one. Uh, it's funny, I kind of look back when, you know, a few years ago when I was probably busier in RP doing the work that I didn't read as much as I should have. And she almost made you just kicking yourself. You're like, I can't believe I didn't do that. Um, so that's one. Number two, I would say uh, I'm probably a little bit more cardio focused now. Like, I obviously I love to lift and I still lift four times a week, but um, 
I just, I want to, I set a goal kind of random, of course, but I want to run a sub six minute mile. Yeah, I weigh like 215. So it's not super easy to do that, being, being that weight. And I picked the date. Here's the thing. So you want to talk about goal setting a little bit. I picked March 12th, 2021. Why did I pick that date? That is the day that we went into quarantine in the Ooh. US, basically. So there we go. One year later, I'll be in the best shape of my life. So that's why I has to move. Um, number three, uh, I just, with, with our company, so we, we have an app and, you know, people kind of ask me, well, where do you think RPO will be in five years? So, I don't know. I just know we'll keep getting a little bit better each and every year. We'll keep coming out with better and, and more feature enhancements every few months on our app. And we'll continue to do that. If we continue to do that for years and years, you know, we're going to be night and day different than we are now. So it's all these same principles, just slow and steady. I mean, I wish we had a million different things in our app now, but that's not really how it works in software development. You just knock out a little bit, get that set up, keep doing a little bit more, keep adding a little bit more to it. A year or two later, it's fundamentally different app. You know, it's a million times better. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love, I love that. Love all three, but that last one I really loved when I read it in your book, like, where are you going to be in five years? I don't really know, but like, I know we're going to be a good about better and a good about further along than we are currently now. I think, I mean, that's the answer that can give you the most confidence and you, you know, you've got control over that. That's for sure. Yeah, totally. You know, I can throw out some crazy numbers or whatever, but that's the thing, even going back to goal setting, you just sometimes have to be careful, especially in business. If you start throwing out these numbers, because what do those numbers really mean? can you really control that? Because like, what if you broke down those big goals into something that, you know, like, what's the one thing you can do based on that? You know, maybe you want to gain, just making up some things here, 10,000 followers on social media. It's like, okay, well, that's a cool goal, but what do you do from that? Like, yeah. what's your plan? Well, how do you get 100? How do you get 500? How, you know, and so you got to have those smaller goals to help lead you along the way. Yeah. Well, awesome stuff today, Nick. Really appreciate it, man. That's all we got. Awesome. Thanks again for having me on. Really appreciate it. There you have it. Such an awesome episode with Nick. I had so much fun with that. I loved hearing and reading about his seven pillars of success. Y'all need to be sure to go check out his current Amazon best-selling book, Fit to Success. You'll learn how to actually like increase your work ethic, stay more disciplined, and how to recharge yourself for success. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member who you think would get a lot from it and be inspired by it. Share it with a friend or family member who has a fitness goal they're, that they're chasing down. Send it to someone who is going through a negative time to help them change the perspective and to help them have a positive frame of mind just like Nick did. Make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash podcast to, to get the audio, the YouTube video, and the show notes. And that were, that's where you can send your friends and family as well. nickcarrier.com slash podcast. Remember, embrace delayed gratification. Everything takes time whether it's business success or hitting your fitness goals or being where you want to be with your mental health, being able to teach your kids certain things. Like it literally all takes a lot of work and time. So start small, build a small habit, and then slowly start to optimize it. And if you're chasing down a fitness goal, remember these three things that Nick talked about. Number one, set a realistic goal. Number two, just try not to eat junk food. Like try to eat whole real foods. And number three, find exercise you actually like because that's what's gonna allow you to be consistent. Because you need to keep it simple and you need to keep it something that you can stay consistent with and you can be sustainable with moving forward. And if you start to do these things, 2021 is going to be a hell of a year. It's going to be the year year that you're confident in your growth of getting closer and closer to your best you.